A former Democratic congressman has been indicted on charges of ballot stuffing, bribery and obstruction in what is turning out to be a major voter fraud scandal. It was only a couple months ago we learned that a judge had been accepting bribes to ring up vote totals. I don't know if it's exactly the same thing as ballot stuffing. It sounds like the same thing, but the DOJ is not using that terminology. They're saying he was ringing up vote totals, basically going into voting machines and adding fraudulent votes. Now, this individual, Michael J. Ozzie Myers, is being accused of conspiring with this judge, and we'll get into the finer details. But as it turns out, there's actually another story about a GOP congressman accused of voter fraud. But there's a reason why I'm leading with the Democrats on this one. For one, by all means, call me biased. Most of my criticisms and complaints do go in the direction of the Democrats, but I think it is warranted. In the case of this GOP congressman, he's being accused of using a UPS store address for voting and voting in the wrong place. It's very different from accepting bribes and fraudulently voting, making fake votes and stuffing ballots so that you can win. But more importantly, it is typically the Democrats and the left arguing voter fraud ain't a thing. But here it is perpetrated by Democrats. And don't get me wrong, there have absolutely been Republicans that have been caught in serious voter fraud scandals, but it's the Democrats claiming it's not a thing when it really is. The Heritage Foundation has a tracker of like over a thousand convictions related to voter fraud. The big question, however, widespread voter fraud, are there going to be millions of illegal votes? Well, that we don't have any evidence of. However, It's Democrats as well who are pushing for widespread nationwide mail-in voting, which is fairly broken. I mean, the stories have been popping up left and right. The most notorious Patterson, New Jersey, where 20% of the vote was disqualified. Yeah, leading to a local NAACP leader saying cancel the whole election. We're hearing that nationwide 65,000 votes have been disqualified because of postal service errors, failure, failure to deliver. In California, 100,000 ballots weren't counted just because they either had poor matching signatures or there was just some weird technical issue with them. When it comes to mail-in voting, there are very serious problems and don't take my word for it. I have a story from 2012 from the New York Times saying exactly this. An increase in mail-in votes results in error and votes not being counted. That is the Democrats pushing for this. But of course, turn to the media and what do you get? Republicans are going to cheat. They're cheating now. Heaven forbid Donald Trump actually convinces people that mail-in voting is broken. Don't listen to Donald Trump. When Donald Trump says mail-in voting is going to be a big scandal, it's going to be awful. No, 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 don't listen to him. I mean, you're allowed to, sure. What I'm saying is, I'm going to give you the New York Times. So when they come to you and say, Donald Trump is wrong, mail-in voting is fine. Okay, then take it up with the New York Times who said, nah-uh, and I'm going to pull that up for you. But of course, you still have conservatives in mainstream media saying, the Democrats are going to be cheating, they're going to be cheating, and here's how they're doing it with mail-in voting. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, look, uh, voter fraud can go in any direction. Sometimes people want to cheat to win. But I do believe we have a very serious problem with November, and that is both sides accusing each other of cheating, both sides in various forms being caught cheating in certain ways, not like at the highest levels, mind you, but that the dramatic increase in mail-in voting is going to be absolute chaos and no one is going to trust the results. Now, I can't predict the future, 
I have made some predictions. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm not. But let's read about what happened with this this former Democrat congressman, this GOP congressman being accused. And I'm going to show you exactly why people don't trust mail-in voting. And guess what? Around half of this country does not trust it. You know why? When people mail, when people vote by mail, they have no help. When you go to a polling station and say, what do I do? They can tell you what to do. But many first time voters, younger voters and minority voters have their votes disqualified because they're not familiar with how to do it. Blame that one on the Democrats. Let's read this story. But before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give, but the best thing that you can do, subscribe. Yeah, uh, surprisingly, half the people who consistently watch my content aren't subscribed. So you should subscribe because that would really, really help out the channel. And you'll also be making sure, well, you're increasing the likelihood that YouTube actually lets you know my videos exist. So if you do want to watch my videos every day at 4 p.m., hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell. Let's read the news. From CBS Philly, feds accuse ex-Philly Congressman Michael J. Ozzie Myers of stuffing ballots. They say, a federal grand jury indicted a disgraced former Pennsylvania congressman accusing the well-connected Philadelphia Democrat of election fraud during primary elections in 2014, 15, and 16. The indictment charges U.S. Rep. Michael Myers expelled from Congress after he was caught taking bribes in the abscam sting in the 1970s with paying cash to an elections judge to fabricate votes for his clients. And there it is. In 2014, 15, and 16, a Democrat was buying votes from an election judge. Now, come on, man. That is the voter fraud we are scared about. Now, of course, Trump talks about the federal level. The local level is so much easier to defraud. It's terrifying. In some elections, one of the elections, apparently a guy won by like 16 votes. Yep. You want to buy. So, so what? How many votes did he buy for three years? And he's probably been doing it a lot longer. He only got caught in these three years. Now, the man's 77, mind you. He's accused of election fraud, conspiracy and obstruction in the indictment, which was issued Tuesday and made public on Thursday. Myers did not appear to have a listed phone number and no lawyer was listed for him in the online court docket. Jurors charged that Myers gave cash to elections judge Dominic J. DeMuro, who awaits sentencing after pleading guilty earlier this year to conspiracy to deprive voters of their civil rights and other violations. In return, the juror said DeMuro added fake votes to the total for Myers campaign consultancy clients who were not identified in the indictment. I wonder how long until the DOJ bar or anybody goes after those clients who surely must have known they were buying votes. Now, maybe not. Maybe this guy just said, trust me, if you hire me, I can make sure you win with great campaign work. And they had no idea the actual trick was just to go and buy votes. Quote, you uh, well, actually U.S. Uh, attorney William M. McSwain said in a statement Thursday that the ballot stuffing also occurred for other candidates for federal, state and local offices. Quote, if only one vote has been illegally rung up or fraudulently stuffed into a ballot box, the integrity of that entire election is undermined. Votes are not things to be purchased and democracy is not for sale. They go on to talk about how he was caught in this abscam scandal going way back in time. And he was expelled from Congress in 1980. But I'm not super concerned moving forward. The fact is the Democrat, he did it. He was campaigning for people. He was taking, he was giving bribes apparently. And we have a statement from the DOJ. 
But we have this from back in May, May 21st to give you an ex- a better understanding of exactly what this guy was accused of doing. Now, this has to do with Dominic J. DeMuro, who uh, pleaded guilty during a sealed proceeding March 16th, 2020. They say that he was conspiring to deprive persons of civil rights and using interstate facilities to aid of bribery. The court unsealed the matter today. This is May 21st. Sentencing is scheduled for June 30th. I believe it's been postponed. They go on to mention that he was essentially ringing up ballots. That's what what they call it. Here's a quote. The defendant abused his office by engaging in election fraud for profit, says Assistant Attorney General Brian A. Bankowski, Bankowski of the Justice Department's criminal division. Today's conviction makes it clear that the Department of Justice will do all in its power to protect the integrity of elections and maintain public confidence in all levels of elected government. There it is. The defendant abused his office, engaging in election fraud for profit. It happens. Is it millions of votes? Not saying that, but it does happen. So when Democrats keep trying to push this claim, it doesn't happen. No, you're losing that argument because it does. And this is fairly serious, affecting federal, state and local elections. Now, of course, it can affect Republicans. Republicans do this too. And there are many stories about Republicans doing it as well. This story is from only about a week ago. So yes, it's happening across the board. But I think it's fair to point out the story of Congressman Steve Watkins is a bit different. And when it comes to Watkins, he's actually accusing them of politicizing this and trying to stop his reelection. They say U.S. Rep. Steve Watkins has been charged with four crimes, including three felonies linked to his allegedly repeatedly signing documents last year using a UPS store in Topeka as his home address. Republican Shawnee County District Attorney Mike Kagay announced Tuesday he had filed the charges which are linked to the November 2019 general election in which Watkins cast an advanced ballot but wasn't a candidate. Kagay said he charged Watkins 43 with one felony count each of voting without being qualified, unlawful advance voting and interference with law enforcement involving providing false information, and a misdemeanor count of failing to notify the Department of Voter Vehicles of a change of address. Wait, what? He's being charged with not changing his address to the DMV? Yikes, everybody. Don't forget, if you move, you got to change your address. But it does seem a little over the top for a guy who just used a bunk address to vote. Now, I'm not saying he didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying, wow, it's a hefty load of charges. Watkins maintained his innocence late Tuesday regarding the charges, calling them hyper political and very suspicious. The charges were filed as Watkins prepares to run in the August 4th primary election against two fellow Republicans, Dennis Taylor and Jake LaTurner, for their party's nomination for the second congressional district. Watkins has held it since January 2019. The charges were filed after an investigation conducted by the Shawnee County Sheriff's Office. Those charges, quote, are reflective of the factual allegations that were discovered by detectives during the course of this investigation. I'm going to stop right there. Maybe he's guilty, maybe he's not. Same is true for the other uh, former Democrat. However, the guy he was accused of conspiring with has pleaded guilty. I guess that's the best we can go off of. The guy pleaded guilty. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean he literally did it, but he pled guilty. So I'm going to go ahead and assume. Yeah, it's probably the case. As for this guy, he's maintaining his innocence and he's being accused of using a a bad address to vote. I guess it's not nearly as serious, but he's also running for re-election. Whether you think this guy did wrong or not, this is a very important story in the whole voter fraud news cycle, I guess. We'll put it that way. The reason is I'm willing to bet Republicans aren't going to believe this guy actually did anything wrong. And it's a political attack so that he doesn't win his reelection. 
I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying in this tribal era, that's very likely what I think. I think tons of people are going to believe it. Like he's saying it's hyper political. They're coming after me trying to stop my reelection. Meanwhile, you have actual Democrats caught in a major voter scandal, uh, vo- voter fraud scandal. But I want to show you something to, to, to the bigger issue in, in, in my opinion with this whole news cycle is not necessarily just voter fraud. But I highlight these stories because it does show it can affect both sides. You know, sure, fine. But some people will think it's political. The bigger issue is voter integrity. Will our ballots function properly? And I believe the answer is going to be, unfortunately, no. They say Donald Trump is lying about voter fraud. Don't believe it. Well, I just showed you a couple stories. Voter fraud does happen. Maybe not as widespread as people might assume. But when Donald Trump calls out mail-in voting on this count, I would go ahead and say he is 100% correct. Because Donald Trump wasn't the president, nor was he running back in 2012 when the New York Times published this story. October 6, 2012, error and fraud at issue as absentee voting rises. You're going to love this. This story, I love it. On the morning of the primary here in August, the local elections board met to decide which absentee ballots to count. It was not an easy job. I kid you not. When it comes to mail-in votes, they literally say, does this vote count? No. And they throw it in the gutter, figurative gutter. But yes, they quite literally be like, this one counts, this one doesn't. Well, you don't have an election if that's the case, I guess, right? It's been happening for a long time. The board tossed out some ballots because they arrived without the signature required on the outside of the return envelope. And a lot of people don't know you need to do that. It rejected one that said see inside where the signature should have been. And it debated what to do with ballots in which the signature on the envelope did not quite match the one in the county's files on the outside of the return envelope. How many people want to have their their signature just visible for anybody and just drop it off some, in some random place? I bet not a lot. That's what you got to do, though. A lot of people don't know that. Ion Sancho, the election supervisor here, disagreed. Oh, and they're talking about letters. Like, this R does not look like that R, they say, and they suggested a ballot should be rejected. Scenes like this will play out in many elections next month because Florida and other states are swiftly moving from voting at a polling place towards voting by mail. In the last general election in Florida in 2010, 23% of voters cast absentee ballots, up from 15% in the midterm election four years before. Nationwide, the use of absentee ballots and other forms of voting by mail has more than tripled since 1980 and now accounts for almost 20% of votes. Here we go. You ready for this? Yet, Votes cast by mail are less likely to be counted, more likely to be compromised, and more likely to be contested than those cast in a voting booth, statistics show. Election officials reject almost 2% of ballots cast by mail, double the rate for in-person voting. Mic drop, please. Stop saying Trump is wrong. Okay, okay, hold on. You see, Trump also claimed that there's going to be counterfeit ballots and the counterfeit ballots are going to change the elections. Maybe that was a little over the top. Maybe I would have agreed with that uh, until Joe Biden himself said he has been briefed and Russia and China are trying to or or, are actively interfering in our current election. Okay, then. So is Donald Trump correct? Foreign interference is literally happening. Maybe not literal counterfeit ballots. But what about this? When Trump says it's going to be awful, and he just said it the other day, there's going to be tons of problems, a great scandal, election fraud, whatever. 
Well, election fraud exists. There's charges right now. And now we can see that New York Times was calling this out. Why did they stop? Why now, New York Times? Do you not come out and say, you know, Trump's actually right about this. We've covered it. It's because the New York Times has gone through a dramatic shift. I mean, literally, (laughs) as I'm reading the story from 2012, there is a recommendation for white fragility in the editor's picks. So uh, yeah, I think we can see there's been a shift at the paper. But of course, the orange man bad narrative persists. And that's the real name of the game over at ABC. As of just a couple days ago, uh, they say, I don't trust it. Is Trump's false rhetoric on vote by mail resonating? 49% of Americans believe mail-in voting is susceptible to significant fraud. I've had enough of this. If Donald Trump reads a newspaper and then says this will happen based on the newspaper, you can't say it's false rhetoric. But that's what they do. Welcome to 2020. I know I say it a lot, but this is the absurdity of our modern elections. 49% don't believe it. Trump's false rhetoric. Here's what the ABC writes. President Donald Trump's crusade against vote by mail laced with false criticisms of the primary alternative amid the coronavirus pandemic appears to be resonating with some voters across the country as nearly half are convinced mail-in voting is susceptible to significant fraud. Fine. Call me wrong. Say, Tim, this is Trump is wrong. You're 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 biased. You're wrong. And, And ABC says so. Then take it up with the New York Times. It's right here. It's the New York Times. It's not Trump. They are changing their perspective because whatever Trump says, he must be wrong. Overall, they say, majority favor in-person voting, while over a third of Americans said the preference is to vote by mail. In the last presidential election, 24% of voters casted ballots by mail in 2016. When you vote by mail, you don't know if your vote has been counted. And you have to, I believe you can check up to make sure it's registered, it's gone through. And many people have complained their votes haven't counted. It has literally happened in Patterson, New Jersey. I mean, you know what? Let me just show you. New Jersey's all-male vote debacle is a warning for November. Let me read you this. They say, Patterson, the Garden State's third largest city, is mired in a burgeoning election scandal. One in five ballots has been rejected, 20%. The local NAACP has cried foul, and now four men including a councilman and councilman-elect, have been charged by the state's attorney general with criminal election fraud. How is Trump wrong? I can't believe the media is consistently running with this narrative. Okay, 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 the media. Real Clear Politics obviously is doing an okay job pointing out this news. And of course, local news outlets are reporting on this. So let me clarify what I mean by that. Major newspapers like the New York Times, outlets like ABC, top politicos and pundits in media are nothing more than democratic political operatives lying about what's going on. Here we can see from these from this local reporting that journalism, it exists. I mean, look, I say journalism is dead because the New York Times, the gray lady, the paper of record has fallen quite a bit. And we're not and we're getting inundated with propaganda, especially with what's coming out of Portland. But we do still have some really good journalism. You've got local reporting from, you know, uh, Patterson, New Jersey, just pointing out that, hey, there's fraud. You know, that people are being charged. There was a story about the McCloskeys, the, the, the couple who were armed in St. Louis. And we learned from a local news outlet that the state had manipulated evidence to try and falsely frame them. 
That's from local reporting. So I definitely respect the good journalists who are still doing their jobs. But here we can see it's gonna get bad in November. So who's to blame for this? Listen, the reason why I frame this video with Democrats is because I truly believe they are the chaotic destructive force and Republicans for the most part are yeah, do nothings. I, I really do think they're do nothings. They, they sit around, they do very little. And I believe the Republican establishment is absolutely horrible. And I believe there's a bunch of really awful Republican politicians who probably need to be voted out. That's 100% true. The Democrats, however, are playing a whole different game of chaotic destruction. They're joining violent riots. They're praising them. They're protecting them. They're encouraging mail-in vote, even though we have story after story about the chaos, even though eight years ago, the New York Times said, hey, there's going to be a whole lot of problems. The Democrats still insist on doing this. And because we just had a DOJ indictment for former Democrats bribing a judge to stuff ballots, I kind of feel like that paints a negative picture of the Democrats. But listen, I get it. I showed you that Republican on purpose. I don't think the Republicans are good either. I think the easiest way to break down the math on this one is that when Donald Trump tried pulling troops out of Afghanistan, you had eight Republicans and three Democrats agree with him. The whole system is rotten. Don't get me wrong. There's slightly more Republicans who are kind of voting in the right way, though, in my opinion. There have been a few, a few votes I think the Democrats had, have gotten right. But for the most part, at this point, all of this is insane. The Democrats are the ones who have cheered for this, who have called for this, and it is chaos. And they should know better. At the very least, I think they are completely inept. Republicans were the ones who called out Russiagate. Republicans were the ones who said that Ukraine gate was nonsense. They were right about all of that. They're the ones who said mail-in voting is going to be bad. Trump is the one saying it's going to be bad. Yet they still blame Trump, arguing it is in fact the Republicans Look at this. Republicans are right. Election fraud is real. They are perpetrating it. How about this from Rolling Stone? The plot against America, the GOP's plan to suppress the vote and sabotage the election, blocking ballots, intimidating voters, spreading misinformation, undermining democracy is at the heart of Trump's 2020 campaign. Yeah. And we also, to be fair, we get this voter fraud is real. Here's how Democrats want to steal the election from Newt Gingrich. So I get it, man. Both sides are pointing the fingers. And I'll tell you what, all that really matters to me. Why is it once again, Tim, putting out a video saying the Democrats are wrong on this one? It's because they are. Mail-in voting is going to be a nightmare, an absolute catastrophe. And Trump said it would. When Trump said there was going to be foreign interference in the election with mail-in ballots, he was mocked and ridiculed. They said, Trump's lying, Trump's exaggerating. And then Joe Biden himself came out and said, I've been briefed. Yep, he's right. Not, not literally, he said that Russia and China are interfering in the election. That's what the intelligence says. So maybe Trump can often be a bit hyperbolic, maybe exaggerates a little bit. But, he, but he's right. When he criticizes mail-in voting, he's right. And now here's what we get from left-wing publications. ProPublica says how voter fraud hysteria and partisan bickering ate election oversight. Oh, it's the hysteria from Trump. That's what's causing the uh, <laughs> the failed oversight. You know what, man? I think come November, we can see a few things at polling locations across the country. I wouldn't be surprised if left wing groups show up to like protect the ballot from from fraud and right wing groups show up to protect the ballots from fraud. 
and then they fight. I won't be surprised if we find out about thousands or hundreds of thousands of disqualified votes. And like we saw with Patterson, one in five being discounted. Do you think if Donald Trump loses by a few thousand votes in one swing state, that he's going to be like, well, I lost. No, he's going to say, hey, those votes are there. Those votes count. You can't disqualify those votes. The Democrats are going to be like, no, those votes don't match. Those are bad votes. Those, those votes are disqualified. They didn't sign them. Supreme Court time. And do you think it will end peacefully and calmly? There's going to be fighting in the streets. There's going to be uh, miscounted ballots, ballots being rejected. It's going to go on for, for a month or longer. And then like some, uh, some writers for, New- for Newsweek had written, what will happen? Many people have speculated this. If it's not, if the electoral count isn't completed by December 14th, the Supreme Court will kick it to state delegations in the House of Representatives, of which I believe there are 50 and the Republicans have the majority giving Trump the victory. I guess we can only wait and see. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. Last night marked the 55th night of riots in Portland. I think it was the 55th night. It's getting hard to count because 55 nights, kind of crazy. But this one was special. The government of Portland literally joined in the violent mob, joined with the violent mob, targeting federal agents demanding they leave their own jurisdiction. Why, yes. Mayor Ted Wheeler himself came out and said that the feds must leave, stood there on the front lines on federal property, as these, this violent group was throwing commercial grade fireworks and trying to knock down the barricades, ultimately doing it, I guess. I, I believe that's what happened. And he was right there with them. And then he called it urban warfare. I kid you not. The mayor of Portland said, this is urban warfare. Now I'll tell you why this is so serious. Mayor Ted Wheeler, you went down to the courthouse. You engaged the feds with your group and then called it urban warfare, dare I say, you started it. And yes, I truly believe Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland, the government, is trying to make things as bad as possible. I believe he's trying to dramatically escalate the situation. And you don't got to take my word for it. You can form your own opinion based on what he tweeted last night. He said, this afternoon, I was made aware of concerns within the community that federal agents may be authorized to use live ammunition on demonstrators this evening. Given the deployment of federal agents to other American cities and the clear escalation of the federal government, this information was alarming. I have spoken with U.S. Attorney of Oregon, Billy Williams, who assures me that the federal government has no plans to use live ammunition on Portlanders tonight and that such an order would be unlawful. Nevertheless, I am sharing this information publicly out of an abundance of caution. If you plan to demonstrate tonight, please be safe. There it is. The mayor, for no reason, put out a tweet saying there are rumors they are authorized to use live ammunition. There's, it's, it's just a nonsensical rumor. Why would you say this? Well, I'll tell you what I think. Just my opinion. The first tweet he puts out has got 2,000 retweets and just under 7,000 comments, meaning he got ratioed hard for this. His replies, where he says they claim that they won't do this, do not get seen in your normal timeline. Because there are replies to Mayor Ted Wheeler, typically you are much more likely to see him saying the community believes federal agents will use live ammo on you. That's all you see. Now, some people might click it. 
explore it and then say, oh, okay, he's saying no. But then even in the last tweet, he says, out of an abundance of caution, as if it is real life, that federal authorities who have been restrained now for almost two months would decide to start firing live ammo on a crowd of people because they're throwing fireworks. No, I will tell you, as they throw fireworks, what do we get from law, from federal law enforcement? Escalation in kind, tear gas, less lethal munitions, because they understand the fireworks likely won't do all that much damage, but they do have to put out all the fires, literal fires. Ted Wheeler, he showed up and he got roasted. He got attacked. They demanded his resignation. And all he did was make it worse, make everything worse. But I truly believe that's his intent. Take a look at this story from Katu 2. Tear gas deployed Mayor Wheeler in the middle. Fire outside federal courthouse. Okay, I want to read this for you. I also have a thread that shows you uh, a Twitter thread showing you all that happened with Mayor Ted Wheeler. And I got to tell you, man, the government of Portland has now joined insurrection against the federal government. A lot of people, I see a lot of these lefties getting mad because I'm saying insurgent and insurrection and stuff, but it's difficult to figure out how to describe a group of people that keeps going to the federal courthouse and attacking it. I understand it's not like they're showing up with live ammo or anything, but they're showing up with weapons and explosives. That's just a reality. Mortar shell explosive, commercial grade fireworks are extremely dangerous. They spray, they spray fireballs everywhere. So you can start fires with them, especially if you throw it inside. The feds are defending their courthouse. Now, if you follow most progressives and even the mainstream media, they won't tell you this. They won't show you the photo. Look at this photo right here. What we're seeing is an overhead shot. Here's the street. Here are the people. This is a massive fire covering the entire sidewalk. The fires that are being set are huge. And the feds typically come out in many videos. You'll see them come out with fire extinguishers to put out fires. And then they push back the crowds. The crowds that attack back and then claim that they're being repressed. The mayor joined them, publicly defended them. The attorney general is suing the federal government on behalf of the violent mob. And the mayor is lying about what's going on and trying to convince people live ammo will be used. There's only one reason I think he would bring up live ammo. A bunch of people start spreading the rumors. Hey, the mayor said it. A bunch of people start getting scared that the feds will pull out their sidearms or rifles. We've seen photos. Yeah, that's actually happened. And so they'll bring live ammo as well. I would I would not be surprised to hear that many of these far leftists are, in fact, armed with live ammunition themselves. No one's using it because it's not that not not at that point. But it's only a matter of time, especially with Ted Wheeler shocking people saying they're going they might use live ammo out of out of out of an abundance of caution. Just be safe. And eventually someone hears a bang and somebody shoots. I don't know if I'll ever get to that point. But I got to be honest, I didn't think we'd ever get to the point where we'd have 55 nights of, an, of attacks. I don't, I don't know if every single night was an attack on the courthouse, but nearly two months of ongoing riots with these people attacking a federal courthouse, trying to breach inside and burn it down. And yes, there's videos and photos of them trying to cut open the doors, trying to burn down the barricades. I didn't believe that would happen. I didn't think we would get to this point. I mean, so soon, I suppose. Well, I think that's unfair. Part of me expected a lot of this to happen. I've said it before. But it, it, it does kind of feel surreal. So if, if now we're hearing someone might draw live ammo, the optimism bias in me says, no way, right? That can't really happen. Someone pulling out a gun and shooting. It can, man. It really can. Let's read this. And then I want to show you the thread depicting what happened with the mayor. 
A pile of debris burned outside the federal courthouse late Wednesday night as Ted Wheeler attended a nearby protest. Nearby, it was literally at the courthouse. That's so insane, man. Tear gas was deployed at around that time. This is crazy. KATU is is desperately trying to protect Ted Wheeler. They say tear gas was deployed, deployed around that time and fireworks exploded near the courthouse. Let me fix this for you. A pile of debris burned outside a federal courthouse late Wednesday night as Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler attended the f- and stood on the front lines. He, there's video of him standing in front of the courthouse. This is nuts. Okay, ATU crew, who was near the mayor when the tear gas was deployed, said it was likely Wheeler got caught in the gas. He literally did. One protester, Akko Sarfo Katanka, told KATU she was with the mayor when the tear gas came. Oh, for sure he got gassed. I was standing there with him within three feet of him. That's, we, don't, we don't need to read this. That's ridiculous. I have photos and videos to show you. When he was asked how long he planned to stay with the protest, he said as long as needed. Indeed, he told one protester who was concerned the tear gas would start flying when he left the protest, I'm not going to leave. If you get gassed, I'm getting gassed. You know what? I'm going to, this is a thread from Mike Baker. This article is trash. Let's pull up this thread. Mike Baker, he is a correspondent for the New York Times, said Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler is entering the protest crowd right now. People are already confronting him. I will not use the word protest to describe this. Protest is a, is, is a favorable word for the left, but it is not fair considering they are showing up to the federal courthouse and attacking it. So we'll call it a violent mob. People have surrounded the mayor, cursing at him and calling for his resignation. He doesn't deserve to speak. He's, a, he's, a, he's an effing fascist. This one says, uh, tear gas Ted has got to go. In a listening session in the middle of the crowd, Wheeler says he is doing everything possible to get federal officers out of Portland. And that's important right there. He has joined the front line. He has said, we are doing everything in our power to strip them of their own jurisdiction. So I know it has a historical, it's, 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 it's a historical analog to say Fort Sumter. I understand that it's not nearly as severe. We're not seeing 34 hours of cannon fire, but it is 55 nights of violent riots. So there, there, there are parallels. We can say the severity is, is low. I think it's more important to say the only reason, in my opinion, that the severity is much lower than you'd expect historically is because of information technology. This is propagandistic warfare. The goal is to produce video and photo that makes it look like the people are victims. That's the intent because they want to get as many people on their side as possible so they can take control of all branches of the government. I don't think it's going to work. I I honestly believe this is going to absolutely help Donald Trump. I know the polls are against him, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to go over this in a second. I'm going to show you I'm going to show you the data. I uh, or not, not necessarily. The, well, maybe some data. But the point is, I believe that what they're doing in Portland is going to backfire in their faces to an extreme degree, unless they really want to get Trump elected. People in the protest crowd react to Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler saying he won't commit to abolishing the police and they all boo. Let me make this clear for you. The violent mob that has been besieging the federal courthouse are demanding the police be abolished, Ab- gone, perm- just gone, not defund, abolished. And the media is protecting them. And Ted Wheeler is on the front lines with them. The mayor of Portland, the Portland government on the front line. Now, he disagrees. That's fair. But they're trying to remove the feds from their own courthouse. As he speaks, 
Protesters have projected a list of demands in the building behind him. They say, uh, the next tweet, I have, I have to pause and give a shout out to the sign language interpreter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wheeler, who is also police commissioner, says he takes responsibility for the actions of police officers and wants to harness the anger of protests to work together to make change. Ted Wheeler has now moved to the steps of the Justice Center to address the crowd of thousands. Wheeler begins to speak, boos, and then cheers when he says he demands the feds leave. There it is. He stood atop the steps in front of the entire crowd as they seek to strip the federal authorities of their own jurisdiction. And he said, I agree. They mentioned that he's in the middle. He's talking to people. He's still talking to people. Now, here's one. Here's an important video. Meanwhile, the protesters down the street have started shooting fireworks at the federal courthouse down the street. It's one gigantic crowd, to be fair. But it does seem like a lot of people are trying to protect Wheeler to make it seem like he's not present and not supporting this. Protesters called on Wheeler to join the front lines at the federal courthouse, and he's going there. And here he is. Don't tell me that he was at a different protest. Here it is. Here's video. He's standing in front of the barricades. And in the audio, the feds are saying you are on federal property. You must disperse the mayor himself. Call it what you want. I don't know what you want to call it. What, call it what you want. So now we can see, you know, things really escalated. People are throwing things at the mayor. Now, this is where I think this is a dramatic escalation, man. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler says the tear gas stings, says egregious overreaction from the feds, calls it urban warfare. I'm sorry. Who was it who marched to the property of the federal courthouse? Who was it who engaged the feds? You saw, I, I, just, I just pointed out the video where they were throwing commercial fireworks at the building. I understand it's not like, you know, they're lobbing literal dynamite or something. And the, and the, and the, uh, the feds aren't shooting live bullets. You, so I find it, I kind of find, I find it kind of funny when the feds throw, say, like a tear, a flashbang and they go, oh no, they're throwing explosives at us. And I'm like, you're throwing explosives at them. You know, like, what, what do you mean? You started it. You threw the explosives first. So when they respond with a flashbang, I'm pretty sure flash, flashbangs are actually safer then mortar shell fi- commercial grade fireworks, which actually spew fireballs and act- could actually seriously injure you. You can get injured by these flashbang things too, but they're, as far as I know, not nearly as severe as a mortar shell. So now Ted Wheeler is saying urban warfare. Okay. Urban warfare, you started. Now I know Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, wasn't there every night. This is, I believe, his first night coming down, but here he is. He's chosen a faction. He has chosen the side of the insurrection. So in the past few days, when I said that it's kind of like a letter of Mark, which represents private, you know, it was, it was the colonial era or was the, it was the, the high seas era where ships, private ships would be given a letter of Mark so they could attack foreign nation supply lines. And then the governments could feign, you know, uh, in, uh, non-involvement. Oh, no, it was a privateer. It was, it was a pirate. But the letter of Mark protected them. And, in, in, uh, you know, it was a commission, essentially. The idea is that if the government won't stop these people, if they won't indict these people, if they won't prosecute them, they're basically giving them free reign. But when the AG of Oregon sues to defend them, now you've got state sponsored groups attacking the Fed. Well, we've leveled up everybody. Now you have city government politicians joining the fray. Now it's full on state versus Fed, period. That's it. It is it is Oregon governmental officials fighting with these people against the federal government. Domestic insurgency, uprising, civil war, I don't know. Call it whatever you want. 
but it is not a riot. It is well beyond that when the mayor gets involved. So here's what I want to do. I want I want to highlight this tweet from Mike Cernovich because he made a point that is somewhat counter to a point I've made. He says, for all the Trump cucks saying sending on feds is bad optics, run a focus group on this. Public highly supports government action. Americans are tired of dirtbags and terrorists taking over cities. This is in response to Andy No saying, Jeff Paul, who works with Seattle Public Schools, is suing Trump, Chad Wolf, and others after he was hurt in the riots. I believe Cernovich is correct. Um, initially, I think my opinion was wrong. I felt that the trap was laid for Trump with the feds and it was working. And then following what was going on and seeing the reaction from the feds and how they've actually kept, kept you know, they, they've, they've been a bit reserved relative to how severe they could be. And I'm not saying they're not, you know, firing less lethal munitions or, you know, hitting somebody. I do believe that Trump has the upper hand here. And I think I, I think Trump knows what he's doing. I think Trump isn't paying attention to stupid Twitter polls. I think Trump is looking at what's actually happening. And I believe this is going to help Trump. I really, really do. I believe Cernovich is right. You see, people in the suburbs are scared of this kind of stuff, and it doesn't come to their neighborhoods. But when they see this action, they see the violence. We know from this study that it tends to hurt Democratic politicians. Peaceful protests help the protesters. Democrats are supporting the protesters. These are violent riots. And the average person doesn't care. You're not, I, I, I believe there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of suburban, urban, whatever, who are going to say things like, you know, Trump's secret police, they're attacking peaceful protesters. I'm sure most people, as we've learned throughout history, are going to say something more akin to, I just want it to end. Can the government just arrest these people and make it stop? I don't care. Just make it stop. That's it. So when you hear these stories, I, I think he's right. The point I was gonna, I, I, I'm trying to make, when Trump did nothing in response to the, mat, the riots and the looting across the country, they wanted him to come out so they could bait him in, with the Insurrection Act and say, aha, he's a dictator. They're trying to do it now. Donald Trump said it's up to the states to get, a control, to get control of this. The feds here are only defending their own courthouse. Trump did the bare minimum to say, we are doing what the Fed is supposed to do in protecting our jurisdiction. And these cities have run rampant and gotten crazy and crime is skyrocketing. That's the message that makes it to the suburbs. Murders are on the rise. Shootings are on the rise. Violent riots are ripping across our nation. And Trump is sending out law enforcement to clean up the mess that these cities would not do. I believe this might actually be a power play or at the very least lend itself to the victory of Republicans in the Senate and Congress. I think that's the plan. You see, who did Trump lose in 2018? Why he lost the suburbs. That's right. Many suburbs that went for Trump flipped and went for Democrats. I believe it was 31 districts. They were Trump districts in 2016 and elected Republicans, but then two years later brought in Democrats. That gave Democrats the House majority, but not the Senate. Trump knows it's not just his race. It's a race for, uh, for many Republican senators and for Republicans in Congress. So what happens now? Trump needs people to believe that the Democrats have done a bad job and it's not just about him. So if you live in one of these cities and you're seeing ongoing clashes, riots, highway shutdowns, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I want this over. I want it to go away. So check it out. Down in the polls, Trump pitches fear. They want to destroy our suburbs. 
It's very, very interesting to say that it's because he's down in the polls. I believe Trump has been targeting the suburbs for years, regardless of the polls, but interesting framing. But Trump is apparently saying, quote, they want to destroy our suburbs. People have, here's what they said. Here's what he said. Trump recently warned they want to destroy our suburbs. People have worked all their lives to get into a community, and now they're going to watch it go to hell, he said from the South Lawn of the White House. Trump has been issuing increasingly dire and outlandish warnings about what Democrats will do to the suburbs. He warned suburbanites will face rising crime and falling home values if they elect Joe Biden. The message, be afraid, be very afraid. I believe Trump is correct. I believe he's correct because under Democratic control, mayors like Ted Wheeler join in the violence. Let me make it very clear for you one last time. I'm sorry for repeating myself on this one. It is not a violation of your rights when federal law enforcement exists. I know this may be news to some people. If the mayor leads a group of people to the feds to engage them in conflict, the mayor himself started it. I know, I know he didn't literally start it, but the buck stops with him. He's the executive of this jurisdiction. He is leading these people into violence. When I see that, when I see the, 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 all of these Democratic politicians defending this, I got to say, man, where's Joe Biden to c- condemn the violence? Where is he? Apparently uh, hiding in his basement. So I think Trump is right. I don't know about destroying the suburbs, but I can show you this. Mother Jones says Biden wants to desegregate the suburbs. Naturally, Trump is furious. Oh, so you're saying they do want to, at the very least, change the suburbs? They say desegregate. And they use this image of like what looks like the 1950s white family. That's that's insane, man. But here we go from Politico White House to scrap fair housing rule as Trump bids for suburban voters. Administration officials briefed select congressional staff on Wednesday on the new proposal. So here's here's what I think is happening. Mayor Ted Wheel and the Democrats are insane. They've been they've been protecting this for too long. And so is the media. And the only thing these suburbanites who, f- who flipped against Trump are, are seeing now are violent images, and they don't care who's starting it. They're just saying, keep it out of my neighborhood. So Trump says, I am going to send in the FBI, the DEA, the ATF to help with the surge in violent crime across this country, and our feds will be there to defend our jurisdiction. And guess what? The voters in the suburbs now have, have a choice to make. Are they going to vote for the left? which has consistently supported this or Donald Trump, who is fighting against the violence and trying to defend these areas. Maybe it won't work enough. Maybe it's a numbers game. I don't know. But I will tell you the other night on the IRL podcast, we talked about a Cato Institute poll. 62% of people are scared to speak their opinions. The only group that felt they could speak their opinions without fear was the far left. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? If if so, so the poll said far left, left, center, right, and far right. Now they call it strong conservative, strong liberal, liberal conservative, and moderate. If only strong liberal feels they can they can speak up without reprisal, it stands to reason the media that you're seeing, the brand marketing you're seeing, is skewed ridiculously away from what regular Americans actually think and want. We'll see how things play out come November. But I'll tell you what, man, Trump is playing the right, making the right moves. I believe it. I'll see you all at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Ladies and gentlemen, I have cracked the code. I believe I have discovered Donald Trump's secret plan. You see, 
by sending in law enforcement officers to enforce the law. He is trying to convince people to vote for him because people don't like lawlessness. I know it sounds crazy, but I think this may be his plan for re-election. Who could believe such a dastardly deed carried out by the president? In all serious uh, seriousness, though, I believe we are seeing a strategy employed by Donald Trump, which is roping Democrats into a trap, as I stated the other day. But now we have more evidence. You see, court documents reveal that Donald Trump is engaging in something called Operation Diligent Valor, which is sending over 100 federal law enforcement officers to protect federal courthouses in Portland and I believe across the country. So we'll talk about this. But there's something I have to show you from a little bit ago that proves I think Trump knows what he's doing. I believe he absolutely has a plan. And this story from Chicago back on June 8th, I believe proves it. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderman Raymond Lopez have foul mouthed argument over looting. You're 100 percent full of S, Mayor says. You see, back at the peak of the riots, there was an alderman who was complaining that the riots and violence was breaking out into neighborhoods because the mayor had raised bridges in downtown Chicago, forcing the rioters into residential areas. What does this show us? So long as Donald Trump keeps the violence in downtown areas, then people in the suburbs are going to be happy. The violence isn't reaching them. I was thinking about this because when the riots were reaching their peak, and I've mentioned this several times, I heard helicopters near my house in the suburbs. And it's kind of freaky. I talked to some of my friends and family in Chicago who were in the far west suburbs who said, yes, they made it out here. I am confident that the leaders of these areas do not want violence coming to their area and they don't care who stops it or why. They just don't want it there. But first, let's take a look at Trump's plan, what he's doing with Operation Diligent Valor, and how the Democrats actually think that Trump is testing federal authority in Portland. This says to me that Donald Trump has a plan, that Republicans have a plan, and what we're seeing with the violence and Ted Wheeler coming out and supporting these protests, I think that shows the left has become a chaotic, destructive force. They're engaging in riots and violence. They're initiating the conflict by going to these areas, but they have no plan. And Trump does. And even they say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again. Whether it is 4D chess or whatever you want to call it, Trump knows what he's doing and why he's doing it. Take a look at this story first. What is going on in Portland? You see, a lot of people are confusing Operation Diligent Valor, which we have just learned about with Operation Legend. Trump announced Operation Legend would see the deployment of uh, DEA agents, FBI agents and ATF to various cities to assist with law enforcement. You see, crime is skyrocketing. Once again, people in the neighborhoods, they're probably happy about this. People in suburbs, they're happy about this. It's law enforcement that will keep the chaos away from them. First, let's read this. Reuters says the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has deployed more than 100 federal agents to Portland, Oregon, on a mission named Operation Diligent Valor to patrol government buildings as anti-racism protests flared this month, court documents show. The documents filed on Tuesday helped shed light on what had been a secretive operation that involved days of violent clashes between unidentified federal law enforcement officers and anti-racist protesters outside a federal courthouse. I got to stop right there. This is not true. Uh, Reuters do better. The, the, the law enforcement officers are wearing identifying information. They have badge numbers on their arms. They have their uh, uh, which which um, department they're with, and they're wearing police patches on their chests. Could they do better? That's a different argument. 
but they are easily identifiable. This is just not true. The operation has involved the Department of Homeland Security's rapid deployment force. It stepped up its response to increasingly violent attacks in the Oregon city on July 4th, the day after a group of people broke into the courthouse, according to the affidavit by the Federal Protective Services Regional Director Gabriel Russell. Now, if you are someone who only watches the mainstream media, I clearly I'm not talking to you because you're watching me. But to, to those of you who know people who only watch mainstream media, they probably don't know this. That was only after the far leftists broke into the courthouse that the feds actually engaged and tried to break them up and clear them out. Since then, it has been now 55 nights of riots with even the mayor of Portland joining in. And that is the trap. Trump got him. You see, we've known for a while, maybe Trump saw what was happening in Chicago, where an all, so, so for those that aren't familiar in Chicago, aldermen are like neighborhood politicians. They're like, you know, they're like the guy you elect for your neighborhood because Chicago's big. They're complaining to the mayor saying like, when you do this and you get these, these riders out of downtown, they come to our houses. Keep it down there. We don't want it down here. Yes, it's a game of hot potato. Maybe Trump saw that. Maybe the people in Trump's administration, the people working for DHS noticed that, hey, regular people don't want violence anywhere near them. So if you're going to keep it somewhere, keep it downtown. And so Trump said, okay, let's send out law enforcement to the down, you know, to this federal court area, to, to our building and engage the rioters there so they don't go out to the neighborhoods. And then we win the suburbs. That's the plan, right? Yeah, it seems to be. They say, on the more, uh, here, here's, here's what it says. The affidavit was filed by the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Marshal Service as part of a broader lawsuit brought by journalists against the city of Portland and those agencies. The plaintiffs claim that police had attempted to intimidate the press by attacking journalists. On the morning of the 4th of July, DHS Rapid Deployment Force implemented tactics intended to positively identify and arrest serious offenders for crimes such as assault. While protecting the rights of individuals engaged, engaged in protective free speech activity, Russell wrote of the operation. According to the document, there are currently 114 federal law enforcement officers in Portland to patrol federal buildings, including personnel from the FPS, ICE, U.S. Marshal Service, and U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The crackdown in the city has drawn criticism, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Let me show you what they write over at the New York Times. And then I'll show you. So I'll break down some propaganda for you. We'll talk about the media and why I think Trump is winning on this one. 15 nights of unrest in Portland. Robert Evans of Bellingcat says the city, quote, is being used as a bellwether to see what the, this administration can get away with. I'm sorry, I got I got I got to say this, man. When you look at alternative news personalities, you get a se- a semi unified vision of what's happening. We watch the videos. We tell you what's going on going on. As it turns out, on July 4th, they breached the courthouse. Then the feds responded. When you turn to the mainstream media, you get conflicting and chaotic narratives that you you can't really follow. Let me ask you, is the city being used as a bellwether to see what this administration can can get away with? Or are federal agents being forced to retreat into their Portland base because protesters control the streets? This is The Guardian. The Guardian is not a right wing outlet. In fact, The Guardian's fairly left wing. are, Are they winning or losing? Are the feds an occupying force? Or are they forced to retreat into their building? Which is it? Honestly, it's hard to track if you just read mainstream news. But again, if you're following moderate conservative and you know independent news sources, you probably have a better understanding of what's going on. And I would argue the same is true for Donald Trump. The left, it has become chaos. And I wonder why. 
One of the reasons I, I feel that they've become completely chaotic and, and just disassembled is because the internet has created two factions. Not, I'm not saying every single person, but it seems like you have a group of people who are investigating, inquisitive, curious, open-minded, and you have people who just believe whatever headline they read or silly meme. The example I often cite, according to Newswhip in 2018, conservatives mostly engaged with Fox News. Liberals or leftists, what do you want to call them, mostly engaged with Occupy Democrats. If you're not familiar with what this means, Fox News is biased, but they're a legitimate news source. They will tell you in an article, hey, feds are doing this thing. Occupy Democrats will repost half-baked memes that, that are often fake news, entirely made up, falsely framed or conspiratorial. And now I see for the most part from more right-leaning and moderate individuals, sharing of news articles. The left shares screen grabs of tweets. And even if they do share these stories, which is it? Are federal agents forced to retreat because protesters control, control the streets? Or is this the administration using, trying, to, trying to see what they can get away with? Are they an occupying secret police force? Or are they pathetic and unable to control things? You figure it out right now. We often see the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro dominating on Facebook. So I think what you can really see is that if you are someone who actually reads the news and follows multiple sources, this, you, you want to know why I, I have the, the screen set up the way it is with my face in the corner and there's a source. I used to actually do hard edits where you would see me in the entire screen. And then I would be like, here's a source. And I would read a quote. But then people would share the clips of just me talking, acting like it wasn't cited properly. Well, now you can see when I'm saying it, it's right in front of me. I am trying to make sure anybody who engages will see this is sourced news. I use a third party rating agency so we can see what's going on. The left, however, tends not to do this. They're sharing memes for news. I, I swear. And, and, they're t and listen, they take their heed from nonprofit organizations that are trying to fundraise off of this. And there you go. So they say that, you know, the right is grifting and whatever. OK, I post based on sources and that's it. But when you see nonprofits saying that, that Trump is, you know, doing whatever, oh, you got to you got to donate to us to help fight Trump. Don't believe it. They're just trying to shock you into giving them money. Now, they'll say the same thing about me, clickbait headlines and articles and whatever. I'll show you all my sources. I'll break down what I think. And what I think right now is the right has an understanding of what's going on. And, and, and whatever this right means, I don't know, because it's got liberals in it and conservatives. And it's just like people who want to vote for America, I guess. The left is random. It's almost completely random. This is why they often fight among themselves. It's why they have no plan. And it's why we see stories like this. This to me, this is the evidence that Trump knows if he had to make it, if Trump was between a rock and a hard place and no matter what he did, it was going to be bad. He knows keep the violence downtown and the suburbs will celebrate. Take a look at this story. I cover this when it first happened, but I want to show you this. An alderman, a local politician contacted the mayor. They were doing this conference call. And he's, uh, so here's, here's what we have. There's audio leaked. It's actually leaked audio. A source provided CBS2 with audio from the call between the, uh, the mayor held with Alderman that day, in which one of the Alderman Lopez said the mayor's office needed to come up with a better plan to protect the neighborhoods in the coming days. Quote, when downtown is in lockdown, our neighborhoods are next and our failure to fully get ready for what is going on in the neighborhoods. We're seeing this destruction and we're thinking that it's going to somehow end tonight. 
We have seen where in other cities this has gone on for days and we need to come up with a better plan for days, at least for the next five days to try and stabilize our communities. The alderman said parts of the back of the yards in Brighton Park had become a virtual war zone. We can't expect our police, and I don't fault them at all, to be able to control this. Half of our neighborhoods are already obliterated. It's too late. Once they're done looting and rioting and whatever is going to happen tonight, God help us. What happens when they start going after residents, going into the neighborhoods, once they start trying to break down people's doors if they think they've got something? We know that people are here to antagonize and incite, and you've got them all pumped tonight, today. They're not going to go to bed at eight o'clock. They're going to turn their focus in the neighborhoods. I've got gangbangers with AK-47s walking around right now, just waiting to settle some scores. What are we going to do? And what do we tell residents other than good faith, uh, other than good faith people stand up? It's not going to be enough. When Lopez finished talking on the conference call, Lightfoot declined to respond. This is the same mayor who just the other day said she would not allow Trump to send in feds to, quote, terrorize residents. The local politicians, the aldermen of these neighborhoods are pleading in just about a month and a half ago, pleading, please, they're terrorizing our neighborhoods. You need to do something. We need help. And when Trump says, I'm going to send in the feds, what does she do? No, you will not terrorize our residents. Yeah, technically the criminals walking around with AKs are residents of your city, but I don't think that's what Trump's goal was. Perhaps terrorizing the people who are committing crimes and hurting people is, well, You shouldn't literally terrorize them, but perhaps they should be scared and they don't want to commit crimes, right? This is a story that made me realize the people would much rather have strong law enforcement protecting their neighborhoods from the violence and destruction than the violence and destruction. And let it be known, man. Let me show you this story. This, here we go, baby. Portland votes to wall off local police from federal law enforcement. This is it. First, the Portland police stood down. Federal agents started getting, you know, attacked at the federal courthouse. The building was attacked. They came out, tried to disperse the crowd. How long until Portland or Oregon orders their law enforcement to suppress the law enforcement of the feds? Maybe that's the line. Maybe that's the line we won't cross. But we're, we're, we're getting closer. Right now, the city of Portland has placed new barriers between the Portland police and federal law enforcement, barring local police from communicating with the federal officers who have been deployed to the city. The resolution passed by city council Wednesday instructs all members of the Portland Police Bureau to stop providing, requesting, or willingly receiving operational support from federal officers who arrived in the city under President Donald Trump's executive order. This includes embedding in a federal incident command center, sharing or receiving information with the federal officers or policing protests alongside them. And here we go, man. So what do you think's happening just outside of Portland? With all of this violence going on, what do we get? Good old Brian Stelter to the rescue. Right wing media plays up Portland protest violence. I want to read you this and break down the propaganda and explain to you why it doesn't matter. He says, when I saw Sean Hannity leading his new show with more violence grips Portland and scary video from the streets, I knew something was up. Right wing media ramped up its coverage of scattered unrest in Portland last week at roughly the same time the federal officers descended on the downtown area. Hannity and other Fox hosts evidently decided that a small group of self-described anarchists suddenly deserved national news coverage. 
Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if people only watch CNN, they're reading this and going, Fox News, am I right? A small group of anarchists. Oh, here's a story from July 17th. A thousand Portlanders protest federal policing three days before Stelter said this. For 55 days, there have been riots. 55. And Brian Stelter is like, suddenly they found out that a small group was worth covering. Let me fix that for you, Brian. Perhaps the media finally realized that violence rocking a, a, a city center for 55 days. OK, well, at this time it was 52 or so. So forgive me. And thousands had descended on this area since July 4th, the 39th day. They actually breached a courthouse. Maybe that's newsworthy. Apparently not to you because Brian Stelter doesn't actually know what's going on in the world because he doesn't actually report the news. He just complains about Fox. So here's what he says. One cynical way to see it. The Trump administration and Fox talk, uh, Fox's talk show hosts picked Portland as a new stage for Trump's law and order show. Programs like Fox and Fred's and had been prioritizing urban violence over the COVID-19 crisis for several weeks. Portland was just the latest news peg. You know, Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity both have the highest ratings in cable TV history. In quarter one, it was Hannity. In quarter two, it was Tucker Carlson. That's Fox News. Now, CNN's ratings are up as well. But something's happening where it's skewing in favor of Fox. Maybe it's because they're covering real news. When they say, when OPB, this is, this is Portland's broadcasting, it's like their PBS or whatever. A thousand Portland, Portlanders protest the federal policing. Here's a photo. Thousand. And then later, thousands more showed up. Three days. And Brian Stelter is so out of touch. He says it's a small group of self-described anarchists. Huh. Why would someone trust CNN for their news source? They won't. I can show you multiple sources saying thousands protest in downtown Portland Monday from July 20th, the same day Brian Stelter said a small group. Now, maybe he missed it. Maybe he's not been paying attention. That's all that matters. I can give you more than one source showing that thousands have been protesting, whatever you want to call it, in Portland, and that's why it's being covered. But the interesting thing about what Brian Stelter says here he talks about how it's just downtown. He says in an interview on Sunday's Reliable Sources broadcast, Atlantic staff writer Ann Applebaum suggested that the use of federal force in Portland is performative authoritarianism. The goal in part is to generate TV pictures for pro-Trump shows like Fox and Friends. This is being done partly for the photographs. Can I just, this is, this is really amazing, psychotic nonsense. You know what my source is for the news, for the, these videos on the ground? It's the protesters themselves. I'm not kidding. They are the ones filming and posting this stuff. There's also journalists from across the spectrum. New York Times, The Daily Caller, left-wing activist groups, right-wing uh, protest groups or, or activist groups. They're all sharing these videos. We corroborate this stuff. And CNN, is got the, it's got, they got their blinders on or they're willfully lying. She says this is being done partly for the photographs. It's a way of me uh, messaging that we are in charge. We're doing something. We're restraining these forces of violence. And that's designed to appeal to a certain kind of voter who wants to see this control put onto contemporary events. Some viewers commented after the show that the deployment in Portland was more performative. Howard Feynman, the NBC News and MSNBC analyst, tweeted that it implies the authoritarianism on display in Portland is ineffectual and benign. Feynman argued that the display is anything but benign. They are fascist vanguard. Portland's reality check. As I said on Sunday's reliable sources, Portland officials are facing some real challenges with protests that devolve into vandalism and violence. But some of the right wing accounts have been gross exaggerations. 
Take it from the reporters who live there. The Oregonian newspaper pointed out that the Fox type narrative about Portland looks nothing like what actual residents experience day to day. Edder Camposano wrote, many people who live in Portland heard over the past few days from worried relatives in other states who feared their loved ones in Portland might have been affected by the fires or caught in police crossfire as they went about their day. The images that populate national media feeds come almost exclusively from a tiny point of the city, a 12 block, <laughs> a 12 block area surrounding the Justice Center and federal courthouse. And they occur exclusively during late night hours in which only a couple hundred or fewer protesters and scores of police officers are out in the city's you know, downtown. Those events hardly represent the daily life. I'm going to stop right there because he said a few hundred. I've already shown you OPB saying thousand and the Oregonian themselves. Look at this. This is Oregon live, the Oregonian thousands. So, so what are the, what are they saying? Three days before this was published, it was thousands. And you also want me to believe that a, a square mile and a half is a small area? Maybe. And maybe they're just wrong. Maybe this is the point. Donald Trump is using these forces to make sure that it's only a 12 block area, 12 block radius, and that these thousands of people don't go to these neighborhoods. Maybe that's exactly what Trump wants. The people in Portland saying, well, I don't live in that area. It's all, all the violence is kept downtown. And maybe they're happy. It's not happening in their, you know, near their homes, near their apartments. That's the point. Guess what? This exemplifies exactly what the trap is. And I'll leave you with this. Take this one with you. Many people heard over the past few days from worried relatives in other states who feared their loved ones might have been affected. What can we take away from this? That it's all lies and that everyone's actually safe or that people in other parts of the country hearing the news called their relatives and said, what's happening? What's happening? Are you OK? And they said, don't worry. It's all being contained in a 12 block radius. Huh? Really? So it's not affecting the suburbs and the neighborhoods? No. <sighs> Thank God. I hope that's what happens here if the riots break out. It will be contained to a city center area and not come to the neighborhoods. I've shown you this already. The aldermen in Chicago are cussing out the mayor because the violence spread to the neighborhoods. Maybe this is what people are seeing. They're seeing that so long as Trump sends in these feds into city center areas, which are not as densely populated, their neighborhoods will remain safe. That's the trap. And because the left has become chaotic and they're not unified, there's no plan. They have no idea where they're going. Trump can easily, easily implement his strategies that are working. So maybe part of that CNN story is right. It's a bit performative. Maybe Trump wants you to know I will make sure the violence stays here. Think about it. The protesters are going to the courthouse and he can tell you right now, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll keep their attention on us at the federal courthouse. We'll stay here. No one's going to go to your neighborhoods. And there it is. That's what people want. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at timcast.net. Check it out and I will see you all then. According to Civ IQ polling data, something happened in the past couple of weeks that has triggered a major upheaval for the Black Lives Matter movement, resulting in people who normally had no opinion on the matter now opposing Black Lives Matter. And not only that, support is on the decline. I can't imagine. Actually, I can. 
I'm going to go ahead and uh, say it's probably the 55 days of rioting in Portland. And I think we are seeing hard data that proves Trump is right. Going in with law enforcement, he is winning this. They've been doing this since July 4th and support for Black Lives Matter has been going slightly down, but opposition has been skyrocketing. I think the violence is triggering people who normally didn't care into opposing it directly. And get this, Donald Trump's big play to, to, is, is uh, to win the suburbs and white people no longer support Black Lives Matter in the majority. No joke. First, let me show you this data and break down. Let's let's just break this break the story down. People are making these, these companies, these brands are making making very serious mistakes. But first and foremost, from CivIQ, as of the 21st, 50% of those polled support Black Lives Matter. Now that's that's fine, and I think that makes sense. We can see that after the death of George Floyd, there was a major spike in support for Black Lives Matter. And opposition went down. However, of those who neither support nor oppose, it has dropped off dramatically. And opposition has skyrocketed from a low point of 27 up to a high of 35%, higher than it's been in quite some time. However, back in September, opposition was actually a bit higher in the 40s. So I look at this and I say, what could have possibly happened to make people oppose Black Lives Matter so much? Well, the major swing occurred around the beginning of June, the riots. That's right. Rioting swept the nation and all of a sudden opposition started skyrocketing. Now, to be fair, support only went down a little bit from a peak of 53% to 50%. But those who are not engaged are now engaged. Ladies and gentlemen, the silent majority. No, not really. It's actually still the minority. But the silent, uninitiated, apolitical individuals who got a taste of the looting and riots and vandalism all of a sudden got activated and said, whoa, what's happening in my country? I don't like it. Before the riots, they said, yeah, well, actually, there was still some rioting going on, but it really peaked at the beginning of June and people just got really angry. But here's the most fascinating takeaway from this. When we look at who supports it, young people overwhelmingly do. 35 to 49, 52 percent. We have a plurality of 50 to 64 at 44 percent, 41 opposing, but 14 saying meh, neither support nor oppose. What you got to understand about neither support nor oppose is that it is not unsure. People who are unsure are like, I don't know. People who neither support nor oppose are the ones saying, you know, they do some good things. They do some bad things. Now, all of a sudden they're saying they do bad things. That group, you can see the swing. It's you can see where it's coming from. Check this out. Republicans overwhelmingly oppose. Seven percent of Republicans support Black Lives Matter. That's kind of obvious. But here's what I find truly fascinating. For racial breakdowns, black or African-American, 89 percent support. Sixty five percent of Hispanic and Latino, 65 percent support and other 59 percent support. I love being lumped in with other. But anyway, the white demographic opposes Black Lives Matter. Check this out. Around the, I believe it was the 2nd of of July, we started seeing opposition surpass support. And it's still going up. Among white people, they oppose Black Lives Matter. Now it's fairly split, to be fair. 41%, 43 opposed. But at this point, the opposition has reclaimed it. Back in May, 
uh, white people opposed Black Lives Matter. Now they once again oppose it. I believe this is a big part of Donald Trump's strategy as to why he is uh, t- carrying out Operation Diligent Valor and uh, Operation Legend. Now, what we're seeing is people confusing the two. They're not the same thing. Let's break this down. I bring you now to NBC News. The Republican silence on what's happening in Portland is jarring. First read is your briefing from Meet the Press and NBC Political Unit, blah, blah, blah. We get it. You're biased. Tom Cotton was not silent and it is not jarring. He literally said these are insurrectionists akin to those who are trying to attack Fort Sumter in the Civil War. So yeah, Republican silence, nah, not so much. And how about this from Rand Paul? It's time to demilitarize the police. Okay, Rand Paul is not being silent. The Republicans are speaking up. However, I'm sorry you're wrong. Well, I want to talk more about this in the, in, in the next segment coming up in a few minutes. But I want to point out Trump knows what's happening. Okay, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when it comes to the riots, he has seen how people have reacted. And Donald Trump wants to win back the suburbs. I mentioned this before, but I'll say it now for the context in this segment. Trump lost, I believe it was 31 suburban districts to Democrats in 2018. He wants to make sure he wins. He wants to make sure the people who live in these areas support him. So what is he doing? Giving them exactly what they want. Do the people in these places want Black Lives Matter riots and defund the police and abolish the police riots? No, they don't. As we can see from the CivIQ data, Ever since the, the, the riots started getting worse and worse at the end of May, opposition to Black Lives Matter among white people has just gone way up. And among all groups, it still has gone. Uh, opposition has increased as well. Again, opposition among all groups has gone up. The reason why this is important, and it's not just showing white voters, is that the, the, the growth of opposition is the same growth, be it white or all, but the, the amount that oppose it is greater percentage wise among white voters. I'm, I'm sorry, among white people in general. This means Donald Trump is seeing that law and order is his path towards victory. He's going to maintain that law and order. He's going to protect your neighborhoods. He's going to send in law enforcement. This is what people want. I'll say it, man. A lot, of, a lot of Trump personalities called it when they said, look, send in the feds. It's the right move. You might think the media is playing this narrative that's going to look at this. The Republican silence is jarring. How many stories did we get? Are we still getting where the media is saying like unidentified stormtroopers, blah, blah, blah. How many? We've been getting inundated with them for the past week or longer, yet opposition is still going up. It may have ticked down just a little bit to be fair, but it's been going up consistently over the past month, past couple of months, even with the press saying peaceful protester over and over and over again. Peaceful protester is not working. I bring you now to the biggest absurdity of of, of it all. Boston Red Sox unveiled 250 foot Black Lives Matter billboard next to Fenway Park. Now, to be fair, it's a smart play, I guess. First, do most people support Black Lives Matter? As of right now, 50% do. So no. Well, there's a plurality but not most because they only have half. If they had 51, I'd say most, but it's, it's fair to say for the most part, you know, just almost most. But they have the plurality. They have the biggest uh, among most people, uh, uh, the biggest among Americans, more support than opposition. My question then is, what is the market demographic for the Boston Red Sox? 
Is it going to be uh, a plurality of minorities? Is it going to be liberals, conservatives, young people, old people? I'd be willing to bet the play is, is a smart bet because it is fair to point out there's more people who like Black Lives Matter than oppose it. But I also think when it comes to, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, big plays by big corporations, they're not paying attention to what politically active and, 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 uh, uh, and uninitiated people are paying attention to. So the point is, as they entertain more and more of the Black Lives Matter narrative, they run the risk of actually destroying a large portion of their market share because the opposition is so great. What I mean to say is that many people probably didn't support or oppose or were unsure, 15% based on all people. So when big brands were propping up Black Lives Matter at a time when their support was overwhelming or people just didn't care, it was a safe bet. But as opposition keeps growing, it's, beca- it's going to become a bigger business risk to start embracing this ideology. I don't know if we will see them back off from it. I think it's actually fair to say they might actually start backing away once they realize something simple. Let me show you this. When support for Black Lives Matter was at 53%, opposition was at 27 and neither support nor oppose is 18. It was a pretty safe bet to say, we're going to make money if we go this route. But now that opposition is climbing, they're probably going to start looking at it saying, listen, it's a bad marketing move because now we're going to lose 35% of our potential sales. That's a substantial amount of money. Of course, they could have lost 27 before. The risk is the amount of people that oppose Black Lives Matter has been growing consistently over the past few months. At a certain point, brands will have to recognize it's bad for business. I'm not saying this to say I am, you know, whatever. I'm not saying I'm not saying this in support or opposition to. I'm just pointing out big brands will have to start contending with the rise in opposition. And I do not believe they will maintain their support just even if they have the majority. If they have 50% of the customers saying, I like it, and 35% saying, I don't, they will lose enough money to say, if we say nothing, we sell to everyone. You get it? Political messages can cost you business because you're going to push some people away. Get what go broke, huh? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Let's talk feds. I'll see you all then. Philadelphia's top prosecutor is doubling down, threatening to arrest federal law enforcement officers if they try to enforce federal law on their own jurisdiction. I kid you not. Now, this story is actually interesting because we can see how many in politics and the media have confused two different operations for one. Notably, Operation Diligent Valor and Operation Legend. They're different. Trump announced a surge of federal authorities. This was Operation Legend. He's going to be sending the FBI, the DEA, and the ATF to assist law enforcement in certain areas. They're going to be a part of their existing offices. Operation Diligent Valor is where we see CBP, ICE, and Marshals protecting courthouses. They're different things. But you know what? For the sake of this article, let's, let's just ignore that. And let's see what the federal prose- I'm sorry, the, the Philadelphia prosecutor has to say about arresting federal agents. After Trump said he would send agents to more cities, Philly's district attorney lays out how he might criminally charge federal officers. They say, after numerous reports and lawsuits in Portland, regarding unbadged and ununiformed federal officers arresting, beating, detaining people in unmarked vehicles. Full stop. Fake news. Not true. That is not the video that went viral. The video that went viral showed marked officers with badges and badge numbers in unmarked vehicles. I'm going to stop you right there, Bloomberg. Police use unmarked vehicles in every city everywhere. 
Have you not ever seen an unmarked police vehicle? Have you not ever ridden a car and go, hey, you think that's a cop? I don't know, man. It's just a white car. I bet it's a cop. Then the lights turn on. You're like, oh, it was a cop. Police use unmarked vehicles all the time. Also, undercover cops exist. It's a thing. These guys had badges and badge numbers. Anyway, they say the Trump administration response is that they're going to do it even more. No, Operation Legend is FBI, DEA and ATF. Man, fake news, dude. I can't, I can't, I can't even, this is ridiculous. They're going to do it even more in more cities saying that his federal agents are doing a fantastic job. Trump has suggested he will also deploy agents to New York, Chicago, Philly, Detroit, Baltimore, and Milwaukee. That's Operation Legend, not Diligent Valor. They've done no background research on this. Mind numbing. In one of those cities, the prosecutor has already preemptively warned Trump's police forces what he will do if they bring the same tactics to Philadelphia. Trump isn't sending police to these cities. He's sending FBI, about 200 FBI, DEA, and ATF going to Chicago. It's not CBP. It's not Bortak. Quote, my dad volunteered and served in World War II to fight fascism, like most of my uncles. So we would not have an American president brutalizing and kidnapping Americans for exercising their constitutional rights and trying to make America a better place. I can't. I, we are swimming in lies. This is crazy, man. I don't know. You know it. The lies are intense. The lies are nonstop. The election is soon. And this is some of the worst fake news I have ever read. Ever. The context? The far left in Portland is attacking the feds, not the other way around. They're going to the federal courthouse and attacking it. If they'd stop going there, there will be no conflict. They're making it up. The officers have badges. Cops normally use unmarked vehicles. This is insanity. Trump's dare to deploy additional troops to more cities, which not true, will test the mettle of reformist prosecutors, blah, blah, blah. City Labs spoke with Krasner about how exactly the city's police will be able to police federal authorities, especially when given marching orders from White House, from the White House. The interview below has been edited. Bloomberg asks, have you ever received official confirmation from Trump? that he is in fact deploying federal officers. Nope, we have not. Then why say all the lies? What is your understanding of the legality of the Trump administration deploying officers in any city in this context? He said, there are certain areas of shared jurisdiction between federal and local authorities. And frankly, there's a frequent collaboration between federal and local enforcement. Often it's cases involving drugs, guns, explosives, for example. So there's nothing unusual about feds being involved in law enforcement in the city. Hey, thanks. And there's nothing unusual about collaboration between local and federal authorities. What's unusual here is the fluffy rhetoric about taking over cities. What's unusual is the politicization of a normal relationship. Oh, just shut up. That's you doing that. And what's really unusual is the apparently illegal stormtrooper tactics that have been used by federal law enforcement in in Portland. You notice he said apparently illegal. You know why I said that? Because it's not illegal. Apparent means visibly what can be seen. What you can see from the media apparently would be illegal when they say unmarked, unbadged stormtroopers. Apparently that's illegal, except when you look at the actual information, it's actually legal. He's saying apparent as a qualifier to change the substantive meaning of the word. He's a lawyer. He knows what he's doing. It is not okay to fracture skulls with what they like to call non-lethal rubber bullets or tear gas canisters. Of course not. But it does happen when people are rioting. It's not okay when there's no probable cause to jump out of a rental van 
and just requisition people off the street. Right. But there was probable cause. Black clad individuals rioting and wearing helmets and other gear were being detained for questioning. Being de- you can de- Did you know that in most jurisdictions, police can detain you for like any reason? I mean, at least in Illinois, I know that for, sh- for sure. A cop can walk up and say, I am detaining you because they're investigating. They can, well, arguably, I, I do believe in some instances they need probable cause, but probable, co- probable cause is very, very easy to obtain. They can simply say there was a riot, people were armored and attacking the courthouse. We detained a man who was wearing some similar clothing and appeared to be one of those rioters for questioning for an hour and a half. That's it. That's probable cause. So he's right. When there's no probable cause, it, it, it would be not okay, but there was. That looks like a dictatorship. Looks like. That looks like a kidnapping. Looks like. That looks like a crime, but it's not. There's nothing unusual about federal law enforcement doing law enforcement work where it may follow the law and where they may have jurisdiction to do so. That's not what we're dealing with here, though. We're dealing with a shiny object the president is waving around to distract from his outrageous failures in many other areas and to try and use his usual tactics of neo-fascist division, hate, and racism to improve his almost deceased campaign, except it's working, and support for Black Lives Matter is on the decline, according to Civ IQ, basically around the time the riots started. Here's what they say. So you are prepared to prosecute federal law enforcement officials if they do, uh, if they do in Philadelphia what they're doing in Portland. He said, if we have clear probable cause for the commission of crimes by anyone, including law enforcement, federal law enforcement, we will prosecute that. We are not going to tolerate any kidnappings and assaults in the Philadelphia streets. We are not going to tolerate showing up under the guise of making things safer and causing violence. Good news for him. That literally isn't happening. I can say something like this. What what's going on in Portland is a disgusting nightmare. What these police are doing. You know, if if I had someone selling illegal narcotics in my home, I'd arrest them on the spot. You see how the wordplay works? I didn't say it's what they were doing in Portland. But then when I say I'd stop, you know, people doing this thing, that's how you trick people into thinking they're actually doing it without actually accusing them. So you can't get sued for defamation. Is there precedent for this local police arresting federal police? There are instances and there have been in, in there have been in major cities. Often it relates to corruption where you have arrests that are made. Sometimes they're made by federal authorities, sometimes local authorities. The Philadelphia Police Department and the Philadelphia DA's office absolutely have jurisdiction to arrest and to charge federal law enforcement officials if they commit crimes. The only wrinkle to this is that under certain circumstances, the case may eventually end up being handled in federal court. But there's no question that the law applies to the feds, including the president, whatever he may want to say otherwise. Can you walk walk us through that would look like? He says it, it can come in a number of ways. It can come through the police because the primary investigative agency is the police department, but it can originate with the D- within the DA's office where uh, where we then collaborate with the police or where we do it with without the police using uh, without the police using our own attorneys, DA detectives. Sometimes there is simply an arrest and we charge them by complaints or we can convene a grand jury, blah, blah, blah. We, we get how arrests are made. What about the fact that the city is currently being sued due to how its own police department has treated protesters? Well, there you go. Basically, they're being sued for violating protesters' rights. This is their attempt to try and play against Trump and act like they do the right thing when they're complaining about things that aren't actually happening. Could you imagine if the feds were trying to protect a courthouse and local Philly police started arresting federal police officers? Call it whatever you want, whatever. 
They say acting Homeland Security Chief Chad Wolf said he doesn't need city's permission to or invitation to send troops in. What's your response? He says, it is true. The feds can travel pretty much wherever they want as long as they're obeying the law. It is also true that it's inappropriate and uncommon for them to try to do law enforcement without coordinating with local authorities. Now, let me stop you there. In Portland, they just put up barriers between local authorities and police. I'm telling you where this is going. The states are challenging federal authority. What do you think happens after that? What happens when the police are told to arrest the police, the state versus the Fed, the state suing the federal government, the state actively engaging in riots? The mayor of Portland was with the rioters, with them as they besieged this property. The mayor was standing at the fence when, when, the, when the Fed said, you are on federal property, disperse. That was the mayor. They are a part of this now. When they say they're going after feds, I tell you, we are heading in a very dangerous direction, but it's all lies and it's all wrong. Do we need clearer laws and guidelines around what federal law enforcement officials can and cannot do when they're in a city? He said, no, the law is adequate. So here's what we have. These local jurisdictions are lying. This is a level of insanity I've never seen in my life. The states and the cities are rising up to reject the federal government. We'll see how that plays out because we've seen how how, how it's played out before. I'll leave that there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, relations between the US and China are rapidly deteriorating, and it seems like it's exponentially getting worse. The other day, we heard that Chinese officials at the consulate were burning documents. They had been abruptly ordered to close the consulate in Houston down amid an ongoing spying scandal where they're accused, hackers are accused of working on on behalf of China and stealing like a billion dollars worth of COVID research or some ridiculous amount. We're now learning that China is harboring a military linked fugitive scientist at the San Francisco consulate, according to the FBI. We're also learning that the uh, Intel agency believes China Communist Party considering retaliatory consulate closure. The move would be payback for Trump. uh, The Trump administration's move to shutter the Chinese consulate in Houston. Now, this is diplomatic tensions rising, relationships deteriorating. It's not overt conflict or war, but it's the precursor. We've already seen flybys and naval ships in the South China Sea. We've already seen escalating military tensions. Now we're getting the collapse of diplomatic relations, and it's happening faster and faster. Take a look at this story from CNN. They say, tensions between the US and China have continued to ratchet up following the forced closure of Beijing's consulate in Houston amid revelations that federal prosecutors are seeking a Chinese scientist accused of visa fraud who they say is hiding out in China's consulate in San Francisco. Prosecutors allege Tang Wan, Tang Juan, a researcher focused on biology, focusing on biology, lied about her connection to the Chinese military in order to obtain entry into the US and has since avoided arrest by taking refuge in the West Coast diplomatic mission. According to court filings, Tang was charged on June 26 with one count of visa fraud. Prosecutors said she concealed her connection to the country's military in her visa application. But investigators discovered photographs of her in her uniform of the civilian cadre of the Chinese People's Liberation Army, and that she had been employed as a researcher at the Fourth Military Medical University, the FMMU. During an interview with FBI agents on June 20th, Tang denied serving in the Chinese military claimed she did not know the meaning of the insignia on her uniform 
and that wearing a military uniform was required for attendance at FMMU because it was a military school, according to a June uh, uh, to a July filing. However, during a search of her residence and electronic media, FBI agents allegedly found further evidence of Tang's PLA affiliation. Following her interview with the bureau, Tang allegedly fled to the San Francisco consulate where the FBI assesses she has remained. CNN has reached out to the U.S. State Department, the, the, the Justice Department, and the FBI for further comment. Separately, CNN has also reached out to China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. The criminal complaint names several other Chinese scientists in the U.S. Prosecutors claim they are part of a program conducted by the PLA, that's China's army, and specifically FMMU, or Associated Institutions to Send Military Scientists to the United States on false pretenses with false covers or false statements about their true employment. There exists evidence in at least one of these cases of a military scientist copying or stealing information from American institutions at the direction of military superiors in China. There additionally exists evidence of the People's Republic of China government instructing these individuals to destroy evidence and in coordinating efforts regarding the departure of these individuals from the U.S., particularly following the charges filed against Jin Wang in the district on June 7th, 2020. All this is happening while we have another major story, several actually. Mike Pompeo said in February, every level of our government has been infiltrated by China. We have seen numerous arrests of academic, of, of professors taking money from China, running research labs in China, maybe giving information, spying. I don't know why they're taking this money. I have no idea. The infiltration is serious and the escalation is getting worse and worse every day. We are very, very close to war. You might not think so, and maybe we avert it. But listen, if they shut down the U.S. consulate, which I believe they will, if the U.S. moves to shut down another consulate in San Francisco because of this individual who's being harbored there, what happens next? Diplomatic relations are collapsing. And that's the, that's, it's what happens before we break out in full on war. You've heard me say it several times. Thucydides trap. China is growing. And with Donald Trump's election, he is threatening their economic superiority. They're now no longer growing. Well, they're not growing nearly as well as they were. Various sectors of their government are under serious strain, potentially collapsing. Manufacturing from U.S. US interests, is, it's leaving. Many, many countries are pulling out of China and China is getting really, really angry. Do you think they'll just sit back and say, you know what? Fine, we will lose our economic standing. Nope. At least I don't think so. You know, the, the U.S. wants to move interest to Taiwan. Hong Kong is being basically gobbled up by China, which is a massive economic gain for China. And I imagine the tensions will escalate into physical confrontation. Earlier, uh, I reported on this a few months ago. I believe it was in April. The state ministry in, in uh, the defense ministry, I, I believe, I don't have the source pulled up, but I, I did cover this. China advised their highest ranking leaders to prepare for physical confrontation with the United States. And here we go. This is the diplomatic uh, breakdown that I believe leads to it. Fox News reports, a U.S. intelligence agency believes the CCP is considering closing an American consulate in China as payback for the Trump administration's move to shutter the consulate in Houston due to the targeting of U.S. energy firms, Fox has learned. An intelligence source told Fox News Thursday that it is unclear which consulate China could close, 
but said they believe if the CCP makes a move, it would be one that was proportionate to Houston. The U.S. consulate in Wuhan, China, is considered the sister facility to China's Houston consulate. The U.S. also has consulates in Chengdu, Shenyang, Gangzhou, and Shanghai. The U.S. embassy in China is in Beijing. The South China Post cited a source in reporting Thursday that the U.S. consulate in the southwestern city of Chengdu would be the target for China's retaliation. Sources also told Fox News Thursday that the Trump administration's move to shutter the Chinese consulate in Houston was due in part to the Chinese Communist Party's targeting of U.S. energy firms. One major reason the Houston consulate closed, according to sources, as opposed to other Chinese diplomatic outposts, was because the CCP was carrying out threats and intimidation tactics targeting U.S. energy firms in the South China Sea. And that's, well, that's huge. China claims they own it. As you know, they don't. They think they do. They're infringing on the territorial spaces of other countries. They're sinking Vietnamese fishing vessels, and they want to invade Taiwan. They're now bullying U.S. energy firms about the South China Sea because they want to take take it. And they are expanding military operations down there, setting up military bases on the Pacific atolls. These, you know, basically sandbars where you can actually land and build stuff. We're dangerously close, man. The Chinese officials carrying out, carrying this out, according to sources, were based mostly in the Houston consulate. The information comes after the State Department claimed Wednesday that the administration was closing the consulate due to increased espionage activity. China called the closure an unprecedented escalation by the U.S. and threatened to retaliate, according to the South China Morning Post. China demands the U.S. revoke the wrong decision. If the U.S. went ahead, China would take necessary countermeasures. That's according to the Chinese foreign ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin. State Department spokesperson Morgan Ortegas said in a statement to Fox News, the closure directive was issued to protect Americans' intellectual property and Americans' private information. This, this, this we know from the other day. So the questions I have now, well, what would this look like and what can we do to stop it? Unfortunately, in my opinion, I don't think we can do anything. You know why? Because what they're doing to Hong Kong and what they're doing to the Uyghur Muslims, I am, I am anti-war, man. You, you've heard me talk about it all the time. I do not think the U.S. should be the world's police, but there are lines and there are limits. When you have a country, you know, Afghanistan, and they have a really horrible government and they're, you know, oppressive or whatever, we don't like it. But there's a line where we don't just go in and say, it's time to institute a bill of rights here in this foreign country that's nothing to do with us. However, when it comes to China, perhaps we sanction, perhaps we get our allies to sanction, and perhaps we can't turn a blind eye to a million or more individuals being put in concentration camps. That's well beyond an oppressive government. And it's a superpower like China that's seeking to encroach, take more territory, bully other nations, and inflict this authoritarian pain on others. A small country that's oppressive. Maybe there's things we can do to help. Maybe there's nonprofits or private interests that might you know, help solve these problems. I don't think the US being in Afghanistan for 20 years makes sense. But as things are escalating with China, because they're trying to seize the South China Sea and they're violating human rights and trying to do it to Hong Kong. There's a line somewhere. I'm not saying we should have war. No, 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 not at all. I'm just saying I think the dominoes are falling down. What do you do to to, to stop it, to, to divert this, this course of action? Eventually, I think it leads to widespread outrage from the American people, from the international community, 
China's retaliation, information warfare, propaganda, the collapse of diplomatic relations, physical confrontation, a warning shot, a shot across the bow, and then finally cyber attacks, physical attacks. And then it breaks down and people say, we must go in and end the oppressive regime once and for all. Will it be us or them? I don't know. But things are breaking down. It's getting worse than we've ever seen. And like I said, Thucydides' trap made the prediction that as China seeks to surpass us economically, war is very likely. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.